And we're back with Bill Lynch, part two, and let's get into it. So let's go ahead and talk about your family. So I, I told the story about my wife. We yep. met in high school. We were high school sweethearts. Uh, finally got married in 1985, um, <clears throat> some 10 years after our first date. Uh, there's a little bit of gap in there when we weren't dating. Um, uh, but as she said, I finally came back to my senses. I had chased her down to Texas and brought her back to New York. <laughs> um, so we we were married for 15 years, and we had no children. Mm. And uh, you know, at first we didn't want children, but then we, you know, we, I didn't get married until I was 28. She was 26. So you know, I'm crowding 40, and yeah. decided we, you know, really need to do something. We had tried all kinds of things. We had. Um, done in vitro, tried to do in vitro fertilization. We had done uh, fertility. Uh, we didn't do the in vitro. We, we looked at it. We looked at the fertility treatment. She had done, gone, she was a pin cushion. She had surgeries. Um, I just couldn't have kids. Looked at adopting overseas. Those doors all got shut for us. We finally said, God, if you want us to have kids, you're going to have to just like lay them in our lap. So my wife was working as a... Uh, uh, adult protective worker, caseworker in uh, New York. And I had was working uh, for Blunt at that time. And my wife said, I need to quit my job. I said, okay. <laughs> and she said, God's telling me I need to get my house in order. I said, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> so quit your job. So she did. And uh, in 2000, less than a year later, she got a phone call from one of her former caseworkers. And he said, hey, we have two kids that need a permanent home. Would you guys be interested in, in meeting them? And we're like, yeah, they're one and three. And um, so we, we met them and, you know, fell in love with them. And um, 30 days later, they were in our home. Mm. Neat thing about that is in New York, to become a foster parent, it was, so we were foster parents. It takes 13 weeks. It's a 13-week program to go through. But because she was a caseworker, they did it for us in three nights. And became foster parents. So in 30 days, the kids moved in with us. Mm. Um, so two years of court going back and forth of the courts because they were the parental rights were in in, um, in play. And I won't go into all the details there, but after two years, uh, they were freed for adoption. And so we adopted them. It's in 2002. Mm. Um, so it was, you know, it was it was a miracle for sure. Uh, because my wife had had an ectopic pregnancy. <clears throat> and uh, in part of the ectopic pregnancy, they take the fallopian tube and they, and they cut it off and they seal it. Mm. That'll be important in a minute. Um, so, so we moved to, and, and I had been offered to move to Kansas City before that, but we decided not to. Then we were able to adopt the kid. Well, we didn't have kids, but by not moving, then we had the opportunity to adopt the kids. Then we had to wait for the adoption to be permanent before or completed before we could move. And um, so in 2002, we had a business to sell, a house to sell. And, uh, and we started in 2003, the process, I had been promoted at that point. We had the kids, but we hadn't finished the adoption yet. In 2004, we finished the adoption, or I'm sorry, uh, 2002, we finished the adoption. In 2004, after I had already started the job in Kansas City. We sold our house, sold the business. We had a boat. We sold that. Uh, and nothing had sold. We finally decided to move to Kansas City with a house still on the market in Kansas, in uh, New York. When we, when we moved, 
we got three offers on the house in New York. <laughs> but we had to make that step. We had to just move, reach out in faith and just move to New York, uh, move to Kansas okay. City. Yeah. Um, so in 2010, uh, my wife was diagnosed with uterine cancer. Mm. And uh, it had spread. And so that's not a good thing. Uh, <clears throat> but you remember I told you that she had an ectopic pregnancy mm-hmm. and they got sealed, the, the fallopian tubes got sealed off. The doctor said that saved her life because it wasn't allowed to spread out into her abdomen and then get into the rest of her body. Wow. So, you know, you can see how, you know, God can restore, you know, things. He, he, we couldn't have kids. We had kids and he saved my wife's life in the, in the process. So mm. it's a neat story. Um, so yeah, so she went through chemo and it almost, almost killed her, but she went through chemo and she'd been cured and she's cancer free now. So that praise the Lord. That's, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. But in, in in that, we got two beautiful kids. So I have to ask, you started not wanting kids, but then what changed? Well, we didn't want kids at first. We were just enjoying life. Uh, you know, young married yeah. couple. Yeah. We yeah. had both had, you yeah. know, good jobs, and we just kind of liked it. And then, then we decided about in their early 30s, we wanted kids, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and But it just wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. So got other mm-hmm. plans for us. He had yeah. two kids he wanted us to have, I guess. Sure. Well, yeah. It's, uh, it's such an interesting thing with, with having kids nowadays, because if you, if you even look back a hundred, 200 years ago, I mean, it was normal to be having kids when you're 18, 19, 20 years old, mm-hmm. right? It was, that was the thing you did. Right. But then with technology and all the hustle and bustle that's been incorporated into our daily lives, it's almost like we're, we're getting pulled to that um, and then putting the brakes on kind of the kid thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, hit mid-30s, maybe even late 30s, early 40s. Now I'm ready for kids. But then our bodies are like, you kind of missed it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, you know, 42 years old when we got the kids. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. So now my son was already uh, three years old at that time, but mm-hmm. still, you know. <laughs> I'm an older father. But it worked out. I mean, <laughs> it did. I think there's definitely some advantages to that, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit more mature. I definitely know, because I had my, we had our kids when I was 30. So I was a little bit, a little bit older, uh, in the early 20s. And I know that uh, if I had uh, my kids at, in the early 20s, it would have been a mess. Right. Just me mentally and my maturity level is right. not there. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should wait till 30. Everybody needs to do what they're, what's God calling them to do. <laughs> but I just find it interesting nowadays. It's just like kind of become the norm to wait longer than it was before. Right. And I'm not saying that was a choice, but that's, that's the way it worked out for us. Sure. Sure. Yep. Now you have two beautiful kids. How old are they now? Uh, they are 26 and 24. Wow. Yep. That's awesome. So. Uh, let's get back to your, your franchise. So mm-hmm. I do want to ask if you have any advice or tips for those who are in a partnership, thinking about getting into a partnership, because I've heard horror stories with those who are in partnerships. Right. Uh, and, and I agree. I th- probably ideally you, you, you wouldn't get into a partnership. Uh, I think it just gives you more flexibility. However, uh, I mean, I, I'm not 20 <laughs> and our business is pretty physical. Um, my, my partner 
takes care of the uh, operation side of things, and mm-hmm. I do more of the sales and finance side of things. Okay. Um, but, you know, if I got to go out and train somebody or I got to go out and do a job, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. But that's not my preference. Yeah. Um, and I didn't buy a business to have a job. I bought a business to manage a business sure. and grow it. Um, so, so our, our roles work out really good together. He was in, um, in manufacturing, he was the plant manager and I was in sales and marketing. Ah. So it was a good partnership. Did you have that conversation beforehand? Hey, I'll do more of this. You do more of that. Sure. Well, we, so that was my role with the company that I was with. Um, uh, he was a plant manager and I was in charge of sales and marketing. So those are our roles. And, you know, he did more of the operations. I did more of the sales and marketing. So mm. the transition was pretty normal, pretty natural to, to do. Um, we worked together and we got along. Uh, then we bought a house together and we still got along. It's like you dated, then you got married. Tried <laughs> uh, <laughs> bought a house together and then you got married. Then we got married. Yeah. yeah. He always says, uh, he's got a weird sense of humor. He says, uh, uh, and we're married, but yeah. just to, to like to the stranger at the coffee shop. It was, we're married, uh, but not to each other. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's funny. Um, so, uh, I think it's, it's important that, uh, like I said, the spouses know each other and we got together as, uh, couples and had a couple of dinners and talked about things. We just got to work. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the wives came up with a, the idea of, um, they had been listening to a king and country and heard yeah. the song, burn the ships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to burn the ships. And we said, that's, that's really kind of a cool idea. Let's, let's incorporate that into our name. So our business name is Mocan BTS incorporated. Mocan burn the ships incorporated. That's funny. <laughs> that's great. So do you have an operating agreement or anything like that? We do. We have, we have an attorney and he put together all the, the, the operating agreements. So you uh, did, go through the formal process. Cause we I did. think a lot of times people just do a handshake. Oh, we're friends. So we have a verbal, you know, right. we can, we can trust each other, which if you're going into business with somebody, you know, or a friend, yes, you can have that kind of handshake mentality, mm-hmm. but you still should have all of it in writing. Right. And we have a, we have an accountant, uh, Doug Freeman. Yeah. 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 Um, he was on the show. Yep. And then, uh, we have an attorney over in the Lee summit who's, mm-hmm familiar with partnerships and for, and franchises. And so he, we sit down with him once a year and review everything. Mm. So, you know, we're, we're trying to do it right. Um, you know, you're still a small business. So you still end up cutting corners and just trying to get things done. Right. Sure. He's got to get things done, but we try to do it right. Yeah. Uh, so. let's talk bathrooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause you guys are the experts and I've always preached this and it's just naturally how I am. If I go to a restaurant, for example, I will evaluate the restaurant, not on the food, not on anything else first, but how clean the bathroom is. Right. What are your and, thoughts on that? Yeah. And study after study shows that. That's so I'm, ex- I'm not the weirdo. I think here. it's something like 60 or 70% of the people will not go back if, it's, if there's a dirty restroom. Mm. Um, I, know, I know a lot of families won't stop at certain rest stops because they know their restrooms are dirty and they go to other ones because they're clean. Like Bucky's. Like Bucky's. Have I mean, you been to a Bucky's? Oh, they're unbelievable. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Bucky's. I mean, I, well, uh, my, one of our, my manager, uh, Becky, Becky, that's funny. So Becky, she's obsessed with Bucky's mm-hmm. and I've never been to one. And she kept bringing it up and she would, you know, go out of her way on her road trips to go to a Bucky's. 
And I was thinking, what are you talking about to me? Like about some gas station? Hmm. What, are they, what is so special about this? Right. Until I actually visited one. Once you visit one, and especially when you go to the bathrooms, right. which feels like you're going into a, like some exclusive golf club, and then better than that, right? You don't realize what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's phenomenal. They do a tremendous job. So, why do you think so many restaurants, or even just businesses that are public facing, when you have customers going in there into the rest uh, restrooms, why do they neglect this? Why do they look at this and think? Uh, it's fine. It's clean enough. It's good enough. That that's the value proposition that we have to sell every time we, we visit a new customer mm. is why do you have your line cook going into the restroom cleaning? You're buying all the supplies, which we give you. You're, you're taking your, probably your, one of your top paid people and putting them in the restroom or your new hire who doesn't really care about being in there. Mm-hmm. Either way, they want to get out of there as quick as they can. Um, why are you, why are you doing that? You're, you make food or you do this or you do that. Why do you, are you cleaning restrooms? Mm. So I, I don't know why, I don't really know the total psychology. It's budgetary. I think a lot of places are struggling. I know during COVID, a lot of restaurants really were hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them are still feeling the effects of that. Uh, I think a lot of places just think it's good enough. Yeah. So even though their customers, like you just said, 60, 70% of them are saying, if it's not clean, I'm not coming back. Right, right. So they're really um, allocating their budget uh, in the wrong areas first. And it's right. like a mind shift that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, the studies, and you know we've seen them all, but the germs in a restroom, you know, one of the things we do is we spray a disinfectant in the restroom. It kills all the germs. And then we apply a three-step process to cleaning the toilets and hydrogen peroxide and acid and and uh, this is uh, music to my ears. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we do all the things that it takes to make a, a toilet sparkle. Hmm. Little, wow. little sense of humor, but I yeah, started I like out in the farm, you know, scraping manure, and now I'm ending my career doing that same thing. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> just in a, just a different uh, context. That's right. Uh, so yeah. So that's what we do, and um, and you know when we leave, we we have a right now it's pumpkin. We use pumpkin scent. Mm. It's fall. Um, but we have orange and cherry and a few other scents. Your restroom smells good. You can smell it from the hallway, typically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it, it's clean. It's disinfected. And the germs, it, you know, every time you, you know, if you want to get graphic, every time you flush the toilet, everything gets aerosolized. And, you know, for a couple of minutes, it can be floating around the air and it settles on all the surfaces. Well, there's germs in there. And so everything you touch has, has germs in it. So... If- I mean, we're getting into the nitty gritty here, but oh well. Uh, when you use a rest, I mean, you use a toilet, and if it's not closed and you sh- and you flush it, mm-hmm. then the stuff that's in there will, like you said, get right. into the air, right? And then you could consume that. But it's in the air, so it sets on everything, or you walk touch in, it. touching it. Oh yeah. my goodness, yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that. And another thing that's really um, not recommended is uh, air hand dryers, because put your hands under there and you're dispersing that as well. Mm. <clears throat> Paper is much more sanitary. Is it? Yeah. I did not know that. I always thought you're not touching anything. I know. I know. But you are. I mean, you, in a different way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I liked what you said with the scent. That's another thing that I think a lot of business owners neglect or don't even, even think about is um, what does your business smell like mm-hmm. as soon as you come in? Like for us, 
it's it's normal to walk in to a martial arts studio and it smells like dirty feet. That's like a normal thing. But we have to remember who's our target market. Who's our customers? A lot of moms that come in. Mm-hmm. The last thing a mom wants to smell is a bunch of dirty feet right. in a musty place. That's something that's very important, in my opinion, not just the bathroom, but also in your business. Right. And making a conscious effort. And for I it. think with COVID, people became more sensitive to that. Mm. You know, what are you, what are you doing to disinfect? Yes. You know, are you cleaning it? What are you cleaning it with? Um, how are you cleaning it? Are my, my kids safe? I don't want them to get COVID. That was a real concern for a lot of people. Mm. Do you have, side question, do you guys have any uh, service or um, how do you, for a bigger space, how do they make it like a hotel? Mm. How are they making it smell so good? Is it just like plugins everywhere, or do you know how they're doing that? I think it's a combination of the chemicals they use to clean, and uh, some of them have uh, <clears throat> um, air fresheners built into the air duct system. Mm. So we have larger scent um, scent machines that we'll put up, and uh, it'll we can we can have a nice scent in a fifty thousand square foot facility. Mm. A couple of those put up. So, I'm guessing part of the franchise, you have the process already created of how to clean a toilet, how to right. clean a surface, right? It's down to, I mean, if you watch the video, the training video, it's actually what color microfiber do you use on each type of toilet? So toilet, urinal, and sink all get different colors. And dirty and clean are different. So I, that's again, this is music to my ears. And I think some people overlook these things when they're starting a business or they are operating is, Oh, just use that microfiber cloth for the toilet, for the sink, for the, the, t- the desk or the table that the customer's using when they go out in the lobby. Sure. Yeah. But you, you kind of shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Or you see the, the reach into the, the bucket that's got water in it. It's been sitting there for how long and they take that out and they wipe your table off and then you uh-huh. sit down and it's still wet. And you say, couldn't you at least dry it off? And it's full of germs. You know oh, it. Oh, my goodness. So. I can only imagine how your perspective has changed. After you've gotten to this franchise, now you go to a restaurant. Right. And you watch some of their cleaning, and, and you're just thinking, yeah, that's not clean. <laughs> so the, the joke is, Dad gets up to use the restroom, and they're like, oh, you're going to take pictures, aren't you, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Might be a new client. <laughs> I heard you all. Do you ever, wait, I don't know. If, somebody said, I don't know if it was you. Um, it was, oh, it was, it was somebody that was in the restaurant. He said, whenever I go to the restroom, I somehow make my way into yeah. the kitchen oh. just so I can check to see if the kitchen's clean. Have you heard about uh, that? Um, well, no, but we, we can usually tell. We know most of the restaurants in town, whether yeah. we service them or not. So you told me there was a major franchise that you had a stamp of approval, approval on for their cleanliness. Who was it? Um, Chick-fil-A, wasn't it? Chick-fil-A is yeah. one, of the, one of the ones, sure, that we, our chemicals are approved to use there. We don't service a lot of the Chick-fil-A's because they do such a good job. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, yeah. yeah, they're already clean, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's there's some restaurants that we clean that are very clean and that we just do a little bit to. Other ones that, I don't know how they do it without us. So there's a full <laughs> well, game. Yeah. But either way, they, they're using, they're, they are focusing on cleaning the restrooms. Mm. And the same with the floors in the kitchen, the floors in the dining area. Uh, we ate Sunday at uh, a chain, <laughs> won't mention their name. Yep. And the dining floor, you could see the shiny dirt in the in the grout lines. It, you just, it just built up. It's so thick on there. Oh, my goodness. And you just wonder what's going on in the, behind, the, behind the wall. 
Mm, yes, because so. if it's dirty on the outside, you can only imagine what's going on behind the scenes in the kitchen. Right. Wow. Yep. Uh, shifting gears here. Um, should or how do you bring your faith into your workplace? Uh, so that that's an ongoing challenge for us. Uh, we we decided when we bought the business we didn't want to make it a uh, sweatshop. We didn't just want to have a business where people came and worked and uh, and then just went on their way. We wanted to impact people's lives. It's uh, it's really a combination of uh, not being afraid to to share your faith if somebody asks. We have a couple of young people, young men that are strong Christians that are recovering, you know, different addicts or whatever, and they've gone through programs. So it's nice to be able to talk to them openly about our faith. You know, what, what's your, what's your uh, devotion look like today? Uh, oh, I read this really cool thing, or I'll get a video from one of them, show me what he's been listening to. And that's, that's encouraging for me. Uh, but then I, I can encourage him as well. Uh, and other people too. We, uh, people that um, have parents that are sick or kids that are in trouble, uh, we can pray for them. Hey, I'm going to pray for you. We get a text once in a while, even from non-Christian employees. Hey, would you pray for this for me? You know, so that so they see that faith. Uh, we try and um, help financially. Uh, somebody's got a major car repair they can't afford. We'll advance them the money. Mm. and we take it out over a pay period, a couple of pay periods. So we try and, because you can tell people Jesus loves you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you don't help them where they're at, you know, if you don't feed the people, it's like it says, you know, if you saw me and I was hungry and you didn't feed me. Well, that's, um, that's really more important to somebody than I'll pray for you. Yeah. You know, I, oh, I, I know, but I, I, I can't afford groceries this weekend. Okay, well, we'll give you some money and get you through this. We'll get through this. So we share. I mean, I, I think it really comes down to yes, we are to speak the truth and share the gospel, but who's going to want to listen to that from somebody who's not living it? Who's going to mm-hmm. want to listen to those words if that person is getting mad at every little tiny thing that happened to them? Uh, with either road rage or whatever, and then they go with a big smile, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord? <laughs> right. <laughs> but instead, it's, it's, it's reflecting Christ. Christ showed us what that looks like mm-hmm. uh, with his servant leadership and you know washing the feet, all those things, and even with the, the Samaritan. But I think you are, are, you're hitting on the head there is we have to not only speak it, but also live it and especially even in the workplace and even especially when you're the boss because all eyes are on us right and we've had a chance to my wife's a, a good evangelist uh to to give out bibles yeah you know would you would you like a bible i've i bought a bible for one of the, the kids that works there young men and uh we went down and picked it out and had his name put on it and he was so excited he wanted to get new Bible wanted me to go help him pick it out. Oh my goodness. And that was so cool. Mm. And I said, you know, I'm just going to buy it for you. Mm. And, um, it, it didn't matter cause he could have probably paid for it, but other people have indicated that they'd be open, uh, and, uh, here, would you like a Bible? And, um, oh yeah, that'd be great. Oh, I wish I could get one with my name on it. So we're going to go out and get 
one of the other guys that asked for it, probably not a Christian, and we're going to get him a Bible with his name on it. So, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you earn the right to, to say that to somebody. You know, would you like a Bible? It takes, you can't just do that. You can't yeah. just walk in and say, here, you know, do you want this? You have to earn that right. Mm. So, and, and over time, like you said, if you're, people make mistakes, if you don't beat them up for it, if you help them get yeah. better, if you help them out, uh, if they see you helping other people out, then you earn the right to, to be able to, to share your faith. Mm. That is such truth. Thank you for that, rem- that reminder. Uh, speaking of the Bible, how much is that part of your daily routine, weekly routine? Uh, well, I got I to gotta admit, the last couple of, well, probably two months, I have a new puppy. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> and I, and I, I try and get to bed early because I know between 2 and 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I have to get up and take him out. And yeah. then he's always up before my alarm. And so, frankly, that's interrupted any quiet time I have mm. a hope of doing. But, but I'm still involved in several Bible studies. And yeah. I do, we're doing Matthew. We're doing Haggai. And, uh, and then we've got the servant leader roundtable. Um, so that forces me to spend time studying the book of Matthew, the book of Haggai. We're doing the, the minor prophets in one of the groups I'm in. So I have that, that I won't say discipline because it's not my discipline, but I, I'm in the group, so I have to be prepared. So mm-hmm. I have to spend time in the Word. And sometimes you just have to grind it out. I mean, you just have to force yourself to, to read the Bible because uh, it's not convenient. You know, it's like, ah, oh, get up and have a cup of coffee and watch the sun come up and read the Bible. And, you know, I don't know, my life doesn't work that way. So if I have to spend time at night before I go to bed and study, then that's what I do. So, uh, First off, I just have to mention there is such power in what you said. Uh, and I have witnessed this in my own life. You know, there's one thing of oh, I'm trying to get in the habit of read 30 minutes a day or one chapter a day. Mm-hmm. Great. But if you don't have some sort of goal or destination of why you're reading the Bible, mm-hmm. like a Bible study, mm-hmm. uh, you kind of just go through the motions. Right. But when you have to show up to a Bible study, because I, I actually lead one now on a weekly basis, it's forced me to not only stay in the Word, because I don't want to look stupid, but also understand what I'm reading so then I don't screw it up. Right. Right? So I think having that accountability with from other Christians is so powerful. And that's what we're called to do is mm-hmm. to be in a communion, to be in a um, uh, discipleship with others and not do this on our own. Right. Right. And that's a great point because, uh, and then in, in our church, we go through the Bible, uh, we go through the books and we have study guides, yeah. you know, they're, that's what we use for, for the other ones too. But um, it's not questions, it's just blanks. So you just fill in your, your thoughts and your ideas um, or you write down notes from what the pastor said or what, or what you're thinking. Uh, like for Matthew, it's, we do it ahead of time, so we write our own notes in there. What yeah. does this section mean to you? And, uh, and I find that's much better than, like you said, just picking up and saying, I'm going to read three chapters in Genesis and then two in Leviticus, and then I'm going to read a psalm and a proverb. And, you know, you just read them. Yeah. And they don't, I mean, it's always good to read the psalms and the proverbs because they're just cool, but... Um, if you have a reason to read it and to dig into it, it just gets you get a little bit more out of it. Mm. So I found um, having a solid commentary to also uh, supplement my reading mm-hmm. helps a lot with mm-hmm. kind of knowing the context of history and what's going on with each verse. So 
Uh, last question about the Bible is why is that important to you to be in the Word on a daily, weekly basis? Uh, well, it's I mean it's it's God's Word. It's God's instruction book for us, and um, it, you know, there's all kinds of wisdom in there <laughs> from the Creator of the universe. I mean, right. I, you know, how, why would you not tap into that? So yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's life's manual. Yeah, but we're not going to know it if we don't read it. Should have a, should do it a lot more. Yeah, we can't we treat. Having the um, we can't treat the Bible like sometimes we do when we get a new product and we just wing it when we put it together and we wonder why there's like three <laughs> screws missing and it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I, I see uh, making sure Scripture takes a priority in my life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as we wrap this up, how can our listeners learn more about your business? Well, we're in we're on the web, Environmaster of Kansas City. Uh, just Look us up and give us a call. I mean, I'll give you the phone number, but it, it's uh, you, even better. You can go into the clean restrooms that smell good and look for our sticker uh-huh. on the toilet or the urinal. Then you can really uh, then you'll know you'll, the, your work. Know what we do. That's wow. Right. And we're not for everybody, but and and that's okay. But for the ones that want to employ us, we do a good job. And you know, you you get the owner, one of the owners, uh, usually that goes in there and checks on it on a regular basis. So. Do you guys do daily or every other day? or oh, We do weekly. Weekly, okay. Yep, just weekly. And that's that's our model, and that's what we do because that's what's the best value for the customer. I'm guessing you do like a deep clean, and then they can do kind of the Just maintenance. to touch up, yep. Oh. So can you join me in my plea to everybody who's listening that has any sort of responsibility <laughs> of their bathroom to over-resource, <laughs> over-source, the cleanliness of their bathroom because it will hit their bottom line, whether they uh, can understand this or not. But let's start a movement now <laughs> with getting all businesses to take this, make this right. a priority. And I'll tell you what, the busy, the busy restaurants you go to, they all have clean restrooms. Uh, Bucky's, this is where it's so amazing is they have a full-time staff member. Yeah. Have you seen them? Yeah, they, it's they, it's they like person. the Charlotte airport. They have a person that stands there and, and they just follow you around and clean up after you. Uh, yeah. It's just and it's you know, amazing. It's, uh, yeah, you don't have to convince me. So <laughs> anyways, uh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been such a blessing for me. And I know for our listeners, uh, thank you very much, sir. Thank you.